Hey everyone, this is Pete Perusik, and I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly into the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time talking with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. They may have a few cracks in their foundation or a squeaky step, and their patinas may continue to fade, but they are no less glorious than years prior. In fact, I feel they have more heart and resolve as they have weathered and can provide the pathway to set the standard that we should all live by. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. After the discussion is over, I encourage you to stick around and hear a breakdown from a physical therapist's perspective of how this weathering athlete is able to keep moving forward. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and share with your friends. Today I am honored to have Sam Tahan with me as my guide for mile number 14. In an effort to increase the diversity of the sports covered, I had reached out to the Boulder Old Boys rugby team for a contact of a member that may be interested in being on the podcast. In true rugby fashion, I am thankful to have been able to spend an hour plus over a beverage a few Fridays ago with Sam. We had such a great conversation, taking a deep dive into what he learned as a professional golfer and a rugby player in his youth and as he has aged. We spend time discussing what role coaching has taught him about the it factor and what playing alongside players in their 60s and 70s has taught him about the drive and perseverance. We explore the role athletics plays in his writing and social life, including the wonderful experiences and relationships he has formed while playing rugby. His enthusiasm for his family, rugby, and life is evident throughout our conversation. His award-winning TV and film writing background provided great insight and detail on the hard work it has taken for him to succeed, what he does to maintain his health, and how he plans to continue to take on life, which pretty much sums up what a rugby player is. I hope you enjoy. Well, uh, I want to welcome everybody to the Weathered Athlete Podcast. I'm here with Sam Tahan. Is that correct? That's, that's it. All right. I'm here with Sam Tahan. Um, he is a writer and musician and a member of the Boulder Old Boys uh, Rugby, but I'm going to let you fill in all the details. So anything you want to let us know about, uh, just a little backstory about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm from uh, Lamar, Missouri, originally, like a small town in the Midwest, home of Harry S. Truman, birthplace. And uh, I grew up in a really small town, and it was a little bit footloose experience for me. I was <laughs> I had big aspirations of being... A writer, even at the age of 12, had dreamt of uh, writing for SNL when I was a kid. And um, so I pursued that while I, um, in uh, my undergrad and then also grad school. Um, but I did, before that, I um, had a stint as a professional golfer and a, a director of golf for Nike Golf Schools in Missouri. Okay. Um, I taught thousands of kids to play golf and I enjoyed every last minute of it. I still occasionally teach people. Um, and uh, so I was doing two lives at once, which if you know much about me, that's kind of how I am. I'm always <laughs> running on two tracks at the same time. Um, went to the service uh, after, uh, in the middle of undergrad, um, served with the U.S. Army and the Cavalry, um, loved it and got in incredible shape yeah. at the time. I started to race and run competitively. Um, came back out of that and um, fell in love with rugby. And I, I pursued rugby for a few years, turned to golf. And meanwhile, I was going back to school and finishing all this. So I was doing, like I said, two tracks, yeah. playing golf competitively. Um, and then, and then um, 
once that ran its course, I finished up grad school and um, somehow broke into Hollywood <laughs> and not and uh, just a lot of hard work. And uh, and now I'm a TV and film writer managed by a group called the Cartel. Okay. You can find uh, cartelhq.com. It's um, they manage a lot of um, big writers, performers, actors, directors. And so it's, um, it's been a real honor. I got to recently audition for Saturday Night Live, which was the dream when I was a kid. So um, I'm having a weird resurgence in this middle part of my life. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that it's been um, as fulfilling as I wanted it to be when I was young. So it's, it's been a wild ride so far. That's pretty cool. So with all this COVID stuff going on, before we get in the other stuff, how has that affected Hollywood? Because everything's been shut down for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, obviously production is low, but um, streaming services are taking off because that's all there is to watch right now. And um, so Netflix is gobbling up a lot of things. Amazon has got a pretty healthy uh, log of stuff, projects they're putting in the pipeline. And so for a writer, it's a paradise because there's um, multiple things getting picked up. And so I have a pilot right now that's um, being shopped in town is the terminology. <laughs> and, um, and it's a hitman action comedy that's uh, well received so far. And so and then today I hit a deadline on a, a trucker action comedy, which is really a lot of fun. And so that will go into the Hollywood stratosphere. So for writers, not a bad time. Um, directors, it's always slow. I mean, yeah, the output is incredible right now with what Hollywood is capable of putting out into the universe. But the model is changing. They're looking at streaming services, even as small as Snapchat. Snapchat's picking up channels. And so there's a lot of opportunities that weren't there when I was a kid that are now available. And if you're a hardworking writer, you can you can sell things. So yeah, that's where I'm at. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Cause I wondered how things are. I know I have a cousin in the music business and, um, he's actually with Michael Bolton. He's a sound engineer and basically manages, uh, his stuff, but I know it's been very, very slow and they're not really doing much of anything right now. F- few private gigs, I guess, but it's just crazy how, you know, everything's just stopped. Yeah, that's actually how I broke free from the corporate handcuffs that I was, you know, I was kind of working in a sales rep jobs and um, medical device. And um, I I wrote a song for, it's a long story, but I wrote a song for a national campaign for um, rural electric cooperatives. So um, Touchstone Energy, who handles all the electric cooperatives in the country, um, for rural America, I wrote a song honoring linemen and it took off and, yeah. um, I was able to fund my way out of my, um, my music, or like I was able to fund my way out of corporate and into music and then music parlayed into film. So it was, it was wild. It was really interesting. That's pretty cool. Now I did see when you sent me some stuff, um, you coach D2 rugby. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was uh, in, living in Kansas City, I got, uh, I was, uh, I guess this was 2008. 
Um, I was transitioning back to Springfield, Missouri, where I went to, my wife and I both went to college and grad school. And um, I got asked to come back to the team that I played with in the 90s and um, in the early 2000s and take on the coaching responsibility, um, which I did for four years. Um, I did a lot of fundraising in between all those years, mm -hmm. but specifically four years that were just incredible for me because I um, got to build the program. Um, the game changed so much. You have to understand that when you and I were young, young leagues, <laughs> it was a much bigger dude's game. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm too... You know, I was 225 when I was playing. Okay. I'm 6'1". I'm not small, but I'm not. But I played with giants. Like, yeah. I played with gigantic guys. Like, my props were, like, 310, 6'4", dudes, you know. Yeah. And so the game changed, and it got leaner and smaller, and it got much faster. And so I had to modernize the offense, and it was an incredible challenge. But the thing that I did, I think it was the, the best play I made was that I – we have two, we have a sister city and with the Pillar Harrier Club in Wales. Um, and so I, we had three guys over here. We hosted them in Springfield, put them up for uh, six months, and they helped me retool the, because anytime you put foreign players on your team, yeah. like they have grown up with this game since they're eight, yeah. and now are six or eight, they, it's just natural to them. And so they, they helped me modernize it. Then I established a relationship with the Grafton Redmen um, in New South Wales and um, brought three of their guys over and we started to win and um, obviously winning breeds um, more winning. And so yeah. the program grew and it, um, it's now developed into a program that now has um, a ladies team and a high school team. Um, and so it's been, it was an honor to be a part of that. I really, I really enjoyed coaching rugby incredibly. It was an incredible, incredible game. That's cool. I'll get out. So that's cool. So what did you learn from that experience moving forward? Well, I think that um, I think I've always thought a lot of the lessons I learned in, in sports came from golf. And I think that the carryover, the thing I brought over was that there's really, to me, there's two types of athletes. There's types, the kinds that want to beat you and the kinds that want to beat themselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, finding a way to make those dynamics work with 15 players on the pitch at a time is a challenge. And yet it's all about um, putting the right players in leadership roles on the pitch because they can carry to some degree, carry the rest of the team, but they can also drive without speaking. It's amazing to watch like myself. I'm ta obviously talkative and very, I think, you know, I'm engaging and, have to pitch a lot and stuff, but I, um, I'm a very quiet player because <laughs> I'm a, I want to beat myself type player. Yeah. And so I, I had probably six guys on the pitch that were that way. And I put them in the right positions to let them be themselves. Because I think in competitive sports, you have to be your, your own person. I think you, even if you're trying to play with a team, I think, you have to be you, not in the showboating way, mm -hmm. but in the leadership way and they taking a lot of people along with you. And so when you empower people to take responsibility over their, their actions and themselves on the pitch, they become something greater than they were. And yeah, uh, so yeah that, that was, 
I think leadership comes, I think coaching is more about listening and adapting than it is about telling and pushing. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, then you go to golf and it's just you. I mean, it's you and the voices in your head, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's, I'm a little bit haunted by golf, but, but I, uh, I, it is, it's, um, however, I think that the better you get, I know that when I was really pushing to get better competitively, um, I was, I was really, beca- I, I know that it was becoming more mundane in the method and it became, it's, it, to me, it became just, just like shooting a free throw. Yeah. You learn to breathe properly and you lean and you learn to, uh, trust your stroke and then get out of the way of it. And, um, because all the guys I played against could hit the ball a mile and they could all hit it wonderfully. Right. But they, it was the dude who could control his nerves mm-hmm. who could really get, and, 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 it, and that guy wasn't, it wasn't like he wasn't nervous. Yeah. He was just really methodical. I watched the guys, I, I still watch a lot of golf and I, I watched the pre-shot routine of these people playing now and they're so focused and so disciplined, but they're also able to walk away. Once the shot's done, they let it go. And I think, I think sports psychology has made a gigantic difference in the way athletes are performing nowadays because they're understanding that it's a whole body experience. It's not just your physicality. It's your ability to control yourself in any sport. That's why I love rugby because it's violent, man. It is violent (laughs) as all get up, but I don't, you don't see a lot of fights. You don't, you really don't. You don't see a lot of, you don't really see much smack talking and you don't see much, um, pushing and shoving they people leave it to the technique of the game and they play and you're going to get hammered you are going to get crushed at times but everybody's doing that and they walk onto the pitch knowing that's what's going to happen mm-hmm. and so they don't so that they by minimizing expectations of i'm going to be treated nicely today. You know, they, don't, <laughs> they, don't, they don't walk into the game thinking that and so I think that's why all the guys can have beers afterwards. You yeah. drink them with teammates. I mean, I have, I have broke a guy's arm and then we drink a beer afterwards. You know, like it's, yeah. we have done some incredible weird camaraderie that exists, but it's, I think it's because they're, uh, there's a certain type of guy that plays that. Thing. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I never played, I never played it, but just from college, we used to go out and watch, everybody play and yeah there's definitely it's there's definitely a a certain type of mentality i think going into that game um of how you have to just go in and then you're right you go out and celebrate after it doesn't matter it's crazy (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh covid that unfortunately uh, boulder wants to travel like travels every other year Um, and i play with a wonderful rugby group for 35 and older um boulder old boys in, in boulder colorado and they are um, I mean, there are some international players that play for us and these okay. guys are really solid team. And so when we travel in the mountain region, we play, um, competitively and still, uh, it, it's wonderful. We obviously not doing anything right now. And we were all going to Germany to Oktoberfest, um, which was going to happen this month. And sadly we're all home. Yeah. Um, and so the guys are all on chat groups now and just watching rugby together watching films, there's still very much a sense of family, very much a sense of 
camaraderie. Um, it stinks because yeah, yeah. we were guys were training, guys were getting fit, and when you're um, up in years, you you know obviously you feel like, well, am I going to have a chance to keep doing this? But I have never seen guys push each other more to be to stay active, to stay fit, and uh, so I'm. We'll go back as soon as um, this is all over. Yeah, it's been such an interesting time as I think we talked, you know, I'm in the triathlon world and same thing as events get canceled, you know, you, in the beginning, it just, it's so frustrating uh, to see everything just fall apart on you. Um, but then once you regroup, I'm like, I'm never going to have this time again. So again, I don't need an event. Let's just get out there and hit it and train and have fun. And so, yeah, I think that's the, that's a good thing. It'll next year is going to be, I, I can't imagine there's going to be some people in shape and I don't care what sport it is. It's going to be, it, there's going to be some competition, I think, and some frustration. I think there'll be people hitting each other in rugby next year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or that's where they, the way they get their frustrations out. My wife always says you are in such a good mood when you get home yeah. after a rugby game because I just release all whatever inner rider demons I might have. I just exercise all that. But it's um, – yeah, yeah I, I understand what you mean. It's um, because – the thing that happens, I think, to older athletes is they, I don't know, they, my perception of it's changed just more recently that um, we slow down the training a little bit. Yeah. We're obviously trying to push it, but um, we don't necessarily keep at it because the aches and pains are there. And so it's easy to get more excuses going. Yeah. But in this isolation, in this moment, you are left with only you. And some people thrive in that. Yeah. Some people, I love, you know, I love the individuality of golf, but I also love the individuality of running Yeah. because I love, um, yeah, obviously I'm in a beautiful state to go for a run, yeah. but I, I love the act of running. And I think that that is, um, something that athletes, the, the athletes are going to thrive in this. I think they are there for the sport, you know, cause yeah. I think maybe that obviously with rugby, it's like, are you just there to drink? But it's not, you know, I know, I think the guys I'm playing with are, they definitely love the game. And so that's going to be, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next year because dudes are going to get fit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. So, so yeah, I want to, you know, as far as like the golf and, um, now you just brought up running with that. How does that help you with writing? Be that alone time? Because you're doing it all my yourself, sanity. correct? My sanity. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's no small. You know, I, I am the constant writer in a lot of ways because um, I the way the best way to explain it is like you have a favorite memory, you have a memory from your childhood, right? And so what I can do is take a memory that I have, and then I can um, or uh, I can create a new memory. Yeah. I can move, I can, let's say I just create a room and then I can take the room and I can move it around. I can put people inside it. I can twist it. I can see it from every angle. And so living in that headspace for too long can get unnerving. It is not a healthy place to be for days on end. And so yeah. running completely gets me away from it. Yeah. It takes my mind off of it. It takes me into a different place that rugby takes me to. And I think um, I think it's what I love about rugby over golf is that I don't think when I play, I, I merely react and respond. Yes, is riding like that? 
Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. but I'm very meticulous about my writing. And so I, um, so I need to completely break away from it. Um, physically, I also need to not sit all the time. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm have a standing desk. Um, I split time between that. And so, um, I do the Fitbit thing. I get my steps in and I take a lot of time to get away from my work. Um, I do most of my writing on a run or in the shower. I mean, I totally, I am that guy. I wake yeah. up in the, or I, I, before I'm going to bed, it's, I, I work late. So it's midnight and I laying down, uh, in bed and I'm recording on the phone, probably driving my wife nuts. But she's used to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's yeah. still here. I'm doing all right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So it is, my wife's a runner too. She ran Chicago eight times. I mean, she's been a marathoner for forever. And, um, it is for us, it's, um, it's peace of mind. Like we hiked today for this call. We were out on a pretty decent hike. And, um, I think there's just something about disconnecting from this insanity yeah. <laughs> that's not only currently going on now, but the stress that we're required to uh, endure as professionals, uh, yeah. business professionals, it's, um, it's, it can be maddening. So I, I do, I use sports and I, I specifically use running to break away from that, to get completely disconnected. Yeah, that's the thing. I, 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 so I love running and I love cycling again because I'm not thinking about anything. You basically just disconnect and just do it. I wish, you know, you're definitely in a beautiful state and I'm looking forward to actually I'm doing uh, Boulder 70.3 in August. So I'll be there in August for uh, oh, call me. Let's, uh, let's go get a drink. We will. I'll be there probably yeah. for, you know, at least a week and a half. I know I can't go out there for a couple of days. I'm going to go out there and spend some time and do some stuff. Um, but I'm looking <laughs> forward. I'm looking forward to going out there. What? You got to come acclimate. Yes, I know. So I need to get there. <laughs> I need to get there. And, uh, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to going there and just, I bet I was there when I was in high school and, and I loved it. It's such an awesome state. Yeah. It's a cultural thing too. I think the people here are, are fit. <laughs> yeah. You know, we moved from Missouri and, uh, it was kind of the joke was that, um, we stopped seeing people drink, you know, like are, are having cigarettes while they're having their oxygen. Tank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are people smoking in their car? I don't remember the last time I've seen a person smoke in their car. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's not a smoking culture. Well, it's a different kind of smoking. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not the yeah. normal, uh, the, the nasty one smoking. Yeah. So there's, um, yeah, I, I, all of our friends are fit. Yeah. Like, Everyone here that we know skis, runs, bikes, or does some sort of physical activity on a very regular basis. Like when I want to go hang out with my, I, I have a buddy that lives here like 20 minutes from me and it from Lamar. And yeah. we hung out all the time as kids. We ski together like every Tuesday. We yeah. go up in the morning and ski together for an hour and we're back home. And um, God, that's such a cool way to live back. Yes. Yeah. It, so because it is, it's getting off the grid. Yeah. It's just hanging out and having a conversation that's not online. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's very grounding. So it's, um, yeah, I love it here. We absolutely love it here. We love California too, but yeah. And I work, obviously I have to go there when I work, but yeah, um, yeah it's hard to get out of here. Yo, I'm sure. So as far as like right now playing rugby, um, what do you have to do to, to stay in shape? Cause it's not something you just roll out of bed and go play. 
No, I, um, so uh, there's a very, so I play a position called flanker and that's um, the easiest way to understand it would be like a linebacker um, uh, with some ball carrying skills. Right. So I am the middle sized guy <laughs> with more stamina. Okay. And I, so, so you run on average about eight miles when you play a game um, over the course of the 80 minutes, because there's no, there's no timeouts. You only stop when the ball goes out of bounds. And so a flanker in particular is a rover. And okay. so they spend a lot of time moving across the field. And so my workouts are designed um, for shoulder strength. And so I do um, lots of um, clean and jerk in the garage. I have yeah. the thing and then I box quite a bit for shoulder strength. Uh, and then after that, it's all running. And um, I mostly do um, distance running because that's what's going to help me the most on yeah. the pitch. I don't recommend that for a back, like a guy who's fast, fast. Uh, I'm medium fast, <laughs> I'm, uh, but I can run the same speed for 80 minutes. And so I have to have endurance. So I, I do two to four mile runs and then I supplement with interval training uh, far like So I do quite a bit of um, uh uh, quite a bit of intervals. I do a lot of beat testing. Okay. Uh, I kind of avoid hills because I have the hips of a Labrador now that I'm old. But like, <laughs> I'm still good. But I like, yeah, I do. So lots, lots more long running. The big dudes, the really big guys, um, it is a slow shuffle for them. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for my position, mine's mine's pretty gets it connects the backs and the forwards. And okay. so I, you know, so that's my, mostly my running is that way. Okay. Have you had Somebody, to deal, have you had to deal with any injuries? Yeah. Yes. Um, I'll go, I'll work backwards. I just recently got diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis and okay. it was a, it was, it helped me connect a lot of things for my past. My rheumatologist is wonderful. Um, Dr. Weissman top rated here in Boulder and he was, um, able to kind of look back to my childhood where I had some trouble with growing pains and such, um, had back trouble in golf. And that started my first experience with a physical therapist, Lance Stewart, who was a wonderful friend of mine and put me in orthotics to help with my feet. Because as you know, mm -hmm. a lot of this starts from the ground up, right? So, um, worked on my feet and then worked on my, um, hamstrings. And that was, the joke was I always had like hamstrings, like uh, elevator cables, right? So, <laughs> so I started Pilates and uh, Pilates and yoga. Um, I still do it quite a bit when I'm struck, when I'm having a little bit of back stiffness. Um, I still stretch just like I was, I got the mat upstairs and I get on, um, I get back to yoga. It helps every time. I hate it. It's horrible and it's painful, but it is the most wonderful deep stretch a person can do individually. Um, so lots of back trouble early on, much better now. My feet kind of gave way. Once the uh, arthritis really started to get bad, I was getting, I was hobbling. I was waking up and I was, and it wasn't because of rugby. It's because my body was kind of deteriorating. So I got um, treatment. Um, it has been a, godsend and uh i've been able to drop weight and, and in the process run more again and that has been that heals my soul man it really does yeah. so i've mostly fought that um i had a you know the other injuries are just like i chipped a tooth once yeah. you know it wasn't, i 
it, it wasn't anything that um, that held me down. Those two things were the biggest things that kind of slowed me down a bit. But I have I really really value physical therapy. I really yeah. do of what it's been able to over anything ever any kind of chiropractor or doctor I've been to PT seems to be so focused towards the athlete. These, these obviously, yes, there's different types of PT, yeah. but this, like I've been able to go, um, to my physical therapist in Boulder and work on, um, that mostly I don't really, I have good knees. always have, I have good legs, have good, you know, strong upper core, but it's that silly back of mine that I ever now and go, goes goes out so well that's yeah. good especially playing rugby you know you would wonder because how much let's say pre-covid how much were you playing you know a week how, how's it work so there's games every saturday spring and fall okay um there's usually for i was actually playing believe it or not playing with the younger guys um okay. even, so even when i coached i was playing i was a player coach so i was helping then i was playing so I've played in three decades. I've played in my 20s out of the service and then came back and played in my mid-30s and then played with the young guys again in my mid-40s. Um, as I am not mid-40 any longer, I <laughs> transitioned to the old boys um, who are who are shockingly fast. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, so I, I was just kind of continuing to play with each group. I, I and I will continue to play with each group. Yeah, I did. I mentioned on the phone. I remember we were talking before. I was like, I, 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 I'm not getting paid to pl- plug this, but I thought it'd be interesting for anybody kind of living regionally around here to come if they wanted to come see people play at this age. They should go to Aspen at Rugger Fest when it does open back up because it's such it's an incredible tournament. I have seen him play. I've played across from guys or New Zealand All Blacks, like the top level players in the world. And we're rickety and old, right? Yeah. But it's still hard hitting and, and ama- it's just an amazing tournament. And I, it, it's so inspiring to watch a guy who's 72 out there just getting it done. Like he's still running, he's still hungry, and he still has that desire. I don't think that goes away. I don't think that ever goes away. <laughs> no, it, it, it doesn't. I don't care what sport it is. And what I'm right. as I've been doing this, talking to people, um, it's amazing how competitive, you know, I think you, you wake up one day and say, Okay, yeah, I'm good that I went out and did this. But they want to win. And I've done the se- I've been at the senior games and I've seen 70, 80 and close to 90 year olds putting it down. I mean, they want to win that race. they <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I, I always used to say in my, when I was a kid, I said, I would rather use my body up right now than let my life's work be water aerobics when I was 80. Right? <laughs> and I was bent on being, um, and I think it's, I think, and I married a person that thinks that way. Yeah. Like, let's just go at it full tilt um, until we're done, until it's over, you know? And yeah. Because, what else is there? This is the most wonderful opportunity to to be around guys who are not only like minded, um, kind of mentally, and it's 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 you got one shot, right? You get one yeah. body, you get one shot. And I've been chubby before. I've been, you know, I put on the weight a little bit, and I I, I don't 
want to live like that. I don't want to, I, when I was uh, in medical sales, I used to ask my doctors, every one of them, I said, this conversation would always come up. They would always tell me if people got fit, whether it's, whether it's losing a bit of weight or um, quitting smoking or um, anything they could do to get just a little more fit, most of the medicines we were on would be gone, null and void. And so like you see, I see when I retire from <laughs> riding, but I'll probably <laughs> never retire from riding. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it you know, it's it's so true when it comes to, you know, a- athletics is that those people can, will continue and they they have issues sometimes. They I've talked to runners who've had bypass grafts and they're out yeah. there still running with a heart monitor on and still doing things or they've had strokes and they've they have diabetes. They have some of this stuff and they continue they don't there's no excuse so that's the yeah. difference is they're like i'm doing it you know yeah. you so. can either sit home and not and, and not do it or you can get out and go at it full full tilt and i think that that person is set the ladder is always going to be happier i yeah. think because they're going to find something I, and i want to i want to preface this with, <laughs> with a little backstory I was a horribly clumsy kid. I was not in any way athletic. And so, and, you, and, and obviously as a writer, I have to explore all types of personalities. And so I'm not, I would definitely not say the quintessential jock type. I just, I was young, clumsy, cut from all the teams, tried to make, you know, like I tried, you know, and then I finally kind of, things were progressing a little bit in golf and in high school, but um, it wasn't until I was uh, 19 and that my body, something shifted in me and I, things just started to make sense physically. Like I could move, I could throw, I could. And so I still remember that kid. I remember that kid (laughs) struggling like to want to, to be there. And, 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 and I still think as a, both a writer and an athlete, I'm that kid still, I'm still, and I think if you stay that hungry, that thing that you want, instead of falling on the thing you are and believing, well, I'm stuck this way, I think that you can continue to be, to evolve. And that's a lesson I've tried to teach my kids is that you never really, if you want to, if you go at it, you don't have to stop growing. Continue yeah. to become something more and more and more. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I joke that I'm 51 and I'm just on my way up. So some, come 70, 80, look out. That's why I'm going to be crushing it at 70, 80. I still got another 20, 30 years to basically <laughs> um, to hit my peak. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it was funny. I think one thing that changed me when you're talking about injuries. Was I think I was resolved to, oh, well, this is what 40s are like, and I'm going to just get old and rickety, and that's going to be it. And then I read an article that was essentially saying, look, you're not getting stiffer because you're getting stiff older. It's because you're getting less mobile. You're, you're not trying, you're not moving as much. Yeah. And sure as the world, the only downside I ever found in writing full time was that, um, because I broke away six years ago so that I, I took an office job for the first time in early forties. And, um, that's when I packed on the way to start quit smoking. And I was just putting it on 
but um, I was really bought into this thing. Well, this is what life is going to be like. And I forgot that kid for a second. Yeah. <laughs> forgot that, wait a minute, I have no desire to be that way. I wanted to go drive and drive and drive and push, but I was letting it go. And when I read that silly article, I thought, well, uh, now I don't have an excuse. I've actually got to go back at this because of the joy that sport has brought me. It is not my only joy. I love to read mm -hmm. and I absolutely love to write. And today with hitting that deadline, I hit a major deadline today with a feature film and that is the most rewarding thing emotionally to me, mentally, emotionally, physically. But um, the supplemental uh, uplift that I get from sports is, um, I think it's, I think it's what you're trying to get your kids to do without pushing them into <laughs> doing yeah. it. Because they have to love it for themselves. I know for teaching golf. If I taught four thousand kids, I can think of ten offhand that were going that had a chance to be phenomenal yeah 10 out of four thousand. but the rest of them were out there swinging a club too so you know, yeah. they, i think that if you but I, but the point with that with the golfing is that these kids had the ones that could be phenomenal they had some sort of thing inside them that that they wanted something greater than themselves, something outside of themselves. And they continued to push and push and push. And it was beautiful to watch yeah. because there was yeah. such dedication to any sport. That's what I, I think. That's why I appreciate so much my experience with golf because it taught me to, um, it taught me that it taught me the thing that golf, it taught me the thing that writing is now showing me in, in full splinter golf showed me that if you, the time you put in, if you do it to perfection, if you go for it to perfection, it will give back to you every single time. It may disappoint you. Yeah. It may uh, cause you to stumble and stagger, but nine times out of 10, if you inject yourself into it wholeheartedly, you'll get way more back. And I, and I did, and I got back. I wasn't that guy that was like, I'm going to teach the kids and I'm going to make them great. And I'm, I wanted to be the one I wanted to be. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's been, it's, it's, there are so many good books about golf. I don't know if you ever played, but it's um, so many good books about the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspect. There's a book called golf. If golf is not a game of perfect by Bob Rotella that really explores the mental aspect of it. There's golf in the kingdom that explores the spiritual aspect of it. But if anybody any golfers out there, I would still recommend those books because they touch on humanity. They touch on us as people, the way we, and, and not only as athletes, but who we are within these games. And I think that's what we're all kind of, when you're on your runs, I know you have moments where you feel in touch with the universe, man. I know that you feel like, because there's just some sort of weird clarity that exists that you cannot get anywhere else than on a run, a long run bodies, kind of like, are we sure we want to be out here, man? Like, I don't yeah. want to keep going. And then you keep going and it's, uh, maybe that's the wall or breaking the wall or whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's completely, it's even being outside of yourself. I don't know if you've ever hit the wall, man. I don't know if you've ever been completely to it, but what an amazing experience. Like 
That, now, I, I want to ask you that. Like, yeah. I, so one of the questions my professional golf buddies and I always had was like, when we were helping other people play, um, getting in the zone, the guys that I played with that were phenomenal, like amazing players could get there, just get there. The, those 10 kids out of the 4,000 could get there. But I didn't have a clue how to teach anybody to do that. If you were going to teach somebody to run and how to get into that moment, how to push past that moment, do you think you could you could do that? Do you think you could? It's so hard, you know. Um, as far as like, you know, I've been, I've done some marathons. I did the Ironman last year, and I just did what a fifty-two mile run uh, for my birthday in September. And you just you basically have to you just got to keep going so if you keep telling yourself this is fun i'm enjoying myself eventually you just it you don't even think about it um yeah it hurts and i think that's the hardest part with anything i think people you start to feel something you're like i'm gonna stop i I can't go any farther but it's amazing you can always go one more step you can always do one more mile you can always do a little bit more i have a friend that he basically he does uh ultra um he does 100 mile runs and his big thing is anybody can do another mile anybody so you know every time i'm struggling i'm thinking about okay i could do that anybody can do another step anybody can do another mile you know it's just another mile come on you know and then but once you you're right once you break through that wall um it it's just i don't know it's just you're at peace i guess is the best way to describe it um, so the, i guess the question is did you teach yourself that did you find it on your own or did somebody pull you through the thing um like, you kind of both yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard you know i've it's funny we i have a um I did uh, Tobacco Road Marathon about three years ago with a friend of mine, and I thought I was trained. We got to about, he ran the whole thing with me. We got to about mile 20, and I was like, I was done. And he was, he stayed with me, and he was, come on, Pete. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm like, don't even talk to me. I'm like, I don't want to hear a word you're saying. So poor Eric couldn't pull me through. Like We got to the finish, but he couldn't pull me through. And I'm like, Eric, I don't want to talk to you right now. (laughs) It's funny, man, because I was... I was thinking when you're telling, when you were saying like, oh yeah, you know, you just, it's so much, you have to tell yourself it's so much fun. I'm like, were you running on the same roads I was running? Because at every moments when you're going like, oh my God, I hit everything. You know, you're just absolutely in the darkest place you can possibly be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but but- I, was, I think it was funny. I had, I had, what, what flipped the switch for me was a very simple time in my life. I was a really troubled teen. I was like a wreck of a kid. And um, I, I think people just naturally default to the saying, well, the army will straighten you up, but yeah. it doesn't like, it's just a microcosm of life. There are about 4% of the people that get into there and see the opportunity they have. And, and I was one of those, like, I do not want to go back to this kind of wasteoid life I was living. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the service and I, my run times just plummeted. I mean, I was like, I I think I went there running a 1532 mile. By the time I was done, I was at a 1023 and I got to compete in this uh, thing in Fort Knox called the Ranger challenge. Then I went to pre-ranger school, a dismounted armor scout course and um, shameless plug. I ended up winning the army athlete of the year in Fort Knox. Nice. Um, 
out of like 40,000 people. Well, I needed that because yeah. I, I came from the schoolhouse rock special, like the after school special. And I needed that like affirmation that, yeah, you too can, um, if you push and push, you can, you can get there. And so it was, God, that was such a good experience for me as a kid because I was, um, I, I needed affirmation that I was physically strong enough to match the like hard candy shell that I kind of carried yeah. around as a kid. But I, I remember those runs. I remember training, like when I broke free, when I won that athlete of the year thing, I got to train for a year and a half full time. That's all I did from, I'd wake up 5.30, go train with my ranger group. And we would um, train for <laughs> till three, 5.30 in the morning till three, hiking the woods in Louisville, Kentucky, and, or Fort Knox is where I was. And, um, and I can remember how grueling those workouts were and sleeping in the cold and being hungry and we're going to keep going. We're gonna, and now you're going to carry a telephone pole for four hours. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I, I guess that's what we're doing now. And um, it, I think that's like go to like call back – when I was talking about rugby players, how they need to be um, themselves on the pitch. I know that the thing that got me through that was not my physicality. And it wasn't that little 12 year old kid that was hungry to prove himself as an athlete. It was me who was, I'm naturally rebellious. It's how I broke into Hollywood because I was um, not a standard writer. I did things outside the norm. I did the norm, mm -hmm. but I did it in my own way. And I did um, the military stuff. I don't know if that's something you can pass on to somebody like you when you're saying yeah. you broke through that wall. Dude, wasn't, uh, it's so funny to me to hear you say what you said because I remember guys like that. We'd be alongside and you'd be like, come on, man. And they, they had to do it themselves. Yeah, That's what I always tell my kids. Like my son ran track at um, UMKC and the 200 meter and had talks about that all the time, but I could have all the talks in the world about how to get there. It's you. It yeah. has got to be you yeah. that makes the decision. And in the moment of, in the heat of the moment, in the worst part of it, you have to be the one that goes, I, I got this, I got this. And that is the hardest thing in the world to do. And the most rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you teach it. I have no idea how you teach it, but I know that, um, if I could plug in my experience, life experiences into my kids and just go here, here's what it yeah. feels like. I would, you know, I would feel, um, well, no, I see them do it now and I'm just so happy with, with my kids. Yeah, yeah, they have to, you know, like for us, we, you have to learn it by experience. You know, I think for me was managing expectations. Like, you know, that, that marathon I was talking about, we were on, my goal was to be sub four hours. That was the goal. Best I ever did was, was 424. And I, my goal was to be sub four and we were on target till probably about mile 18 or so. And then it, it something happened and it, we started slowing down and I just couldn't do it. And I think just the wheels in my head, kind of like you talk about your golf game. I basically was doing the math and watching things unravel and it just became more discouraging to me. And maybe I could have worked through it alone. Um, but Eric did his best to say, come on, Pete, you can do this. 
and it got to the point where I just didn't want to hear that. And um, basically, I think we did 406. So we were over, I was close, but not not my goal. And then, so since then, I basically manage my expectations better. Now I do my events um, by myself. That's the other thing too. So I can work this stuff out in my head and yeah, I basically yeah. have my routine and I know what I want to do. Like when I did that um, 51, I had a friend that came with me and I basically, he was there running. It was a one mile loop where we basically just ran for 12 hours. And I went in and I said, Walt, he's like, what do you want? And I said, I need to do this myself. I said, I'll see you when I get to 40 or 45 or whatever. Um, let me do this myself. Let me get in that headspace. And I was, I, I had it all day long. I knew what I wanted to do. I had my game plan. No one knocked me off of it. And then he was there the very end and did mile 52 with me. Um, so again, I, sometimes you have to work through that stuff on your own. It, it you can't have, you know, someone can't push you through, I guess is the best I think, I think you always have to work that yeah. through the first stage of it on your own. Like you can partner up and join with other people, but if you're, uh, let me first say, let me, let me also say like, mm -hmm. I am so jealous of you. I think it's so awesome <laughs> to, to run that stuff. Like, are you a, like, how big are you size wise? Um, I'm not, I'm five, eight and weigh about 170 pounds. And for me, I, when I was, when I was running marathons, um, I was broken down. I would run, I'd get up to 40 miles a week and I couldn't do it. I actually yeah. became a better athlete when I switched to triathlons because then I was, and I switched in 2015. So I, just by the swimming and the biking and the running changed things. I am still a three day a week. Um, I work out three days a week, a run yeah. or a bike. I really don't do it every day. I've never been that guy that's done it every day and it works for me. Um, but I'm also not podium. I'm not there crushing it, trying to be first in my age group. But at 50 to 55, it ain't happened. I mean, the competition is incredible. <laughs> yeah, 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 it really is. So I was a Clydesdale. I, I couldn't, um, you know, I was too, I think in my leanest, I was, since I've been 18, I was 205 maybe. And um, good Lord, man, there were some people, they were, I mean, running. Yeah. at all the age divisions but i was shocked like you'd see a 60 year old just cruising like yeah running you know 18 minute three mile was <laughs> like that would not get you podium like, yeah i was going oh my god are you kidding yeah I, you know i love triathlon i know that this is where you started this yeah uh, podcast was through triathlon i i love it i it is such a time yeah uh, time suck because yeah. it's uh, because the training is so different. But what a sport, man! What a, an incredible sport because you've got speed on the bike. You know the wind racing. You've yeah. got the water, like the cooling factor, and then the running, and you're just on your own in that yeah. key and and concrete. And um, I ran uh, the concrete man in Springfield, and that was my last one. And it was I was such a horrible swimmer. Like I was like uh second to last out of the water <laughs> thousand and, and still finished pretty high because i'm a fast you know i was yeah. a fast runner, so i could still kind of go sub 20 when i was even because i was doing this in my early 30s and i i miss it um we still we have a four-year-old yeah we have 20 
some things and <laughs> that are away from home. Okay. <laughs> so my wife, I think, still aspires very much so to running. I would love to go back to triathlon because it's kind of the nicest blend of um, all the sports, you know, like yeah. all the without taxing the body and the like. I the funny thing is, I can't really break my fingers now. So I'm when I'm playing, when I am yeah. playing right now, I'm always like, oh god, I want to just tape them in the mittens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to get hurt. Yeah, run like boxing gloves, and yeah, that's well. That's yeah. That's the thing with you know triathlon. It is. I couldn't do it when my kids were small, even if I wanted to. My kids were in high school and and college when I started, um, yeah. so it, it it was good. They and they didn't need me to be around, and as long as I was back. But you know, last year training for the full. It, it's you're doing century rides on the on the weekend saturday that's my whole day it's basically working during the week and then you're gone for six hours plus um on the weekend and then um recovering and so yeah it was it was tough i wanted to do that one and there is nothing better than crossing that finish line and hearing that that statement you are an iron man I, I don't know when i'll do another full the halves are perfect i can train it's it's easy again I, i'm not trying to podium i just love it's for me i just like for rugby for you i just love being around all those other people even though they're not with me during the race it's hanging out before it's training with them it's hanging out after it's such a for me since i don't have kids right now to go hang out at the t-ball field or with soccer or anything like that i need i need that socialization <laughs> yeah i i ran a spartan race in breckenridge with my son and my uh, wife and it's awful you know it's because <laughs> it's up a mountain and then back down the mountain but um god what a community right yeah. like what a family of, of these people racing together and just hanging out and i think that's most of colorado like that's what yeah. i love about this because we have the boulder boulder and it's um yeah. i think it was forty thousand people that ran the race you know ran like a 10k and i got to run that with my daughter who's in LA now. And so they're cool. Like, that's although the, the Spartans and those kinds of things aren't necessarily my stick. It's more these, yeah, I love these road races, these long road races. We love hanging out in Boulder because they've got a, a pretty cool downtown and they run a, a one mile out and back right through the middle of town. Yeah. And it's like, Every weekend they do this in the summer, you know, and, and so it's such a runner-friendly community, and so it's um, yeah, the people are different. Runners have some sort of um, there's a vibe, right? There's a vibe to them that's just a little more chill. And that's yeah. the saying when we moved out here. It was like the saying is like you either are chill or you better get that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and it's totally true because like, yeah. and I'm I'm the consummate. In, in that regard, I'm the consummate um, snowboarder because I still yeah. love board and I still ski a ton and I still kind of slip into the lingo when I'm up there. Yeah. But runners remind me of that community too because they're just kind of this. It's not a cult. Cult's the yeah. wrong word. It's, no, like, it, it, it's a cult. That's, that's what my wife calls it. My wife calls it a cult. That's what she calls all my triathlon buddies. You know that cult. You know when they call. You know. <laughs> So, yes. Okay. Well, let's call it a spade. <laughs> 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 
so back to rugby real quick is that um when you do like tournaments is it always just one game um you're playing on the weekend do you do more sometimes so uh like the d1 d2 is still very active um i think omaha has one of the biggest tournaments in the country and they invite teams from all over the nation um and that is a two-day event okay and you're most likely going to get four matches which is plenty because yeah. most teams like it's all club rugby the united states um one of the guys we play touch with here is dan lyle and dan lyle's a, a sportscaster on nbc rugby. yeah so, okay um, he'll do all the world cup coverage and six nations and stuff and um so there's plenty of rugby in the amateur side and um because dan even had to go play overseas to get paid right to get yeah. anyone who was a phenomenal player and so um the state rugby for the most part is is one day one game on a weekend and then occasional tournaments i played the majority of my tournament rugby in st louis and kansas city um, and, uh, and then the rest of it was just travel. And so these okay. guys are funding themselves. It's such a cool community, man, because it is so much more organized. I know viewers can't see this, but I brought jerseys down. I wanted you to see like, this Very is the cool. jersey I got playing. I played a game against, uh, the Bill Harriers in Wales and they came to the States and played here and we played, played against them. It was wonderful. And then we played a one day tournament. This is my old school rugby and this is the australian team that came and played with me and so very we cool. like we had um so so you're playing like on tour you're gonna play probably four games okay you're traveling usually with 22 guys on an active roster and most clubs have like most d2 clubs like the one i coached had up to 30 guys but some of those were old boys. Um, and so uh, Boulder has an enormous, like the young guys, the, the regular squad, the D2 squad has uh, at least 40 on their active roster. And so they can afford to play four games over a weekend. Okay. The days of four games over a weekend are kind of diminishing, although it's one of the most wonderful opportunities for um, rugby because it, there's a lot of learning involved, but they don't, um, it, it's harder to do that because you have guys paying out of pocket, Yeah. just like running, like they're yeah. traveling and paying and they're playing to, and so they have funds, like the club I came from that I was the coach at, they have, they're a really well-run, well-oiled ship and they, they have managed to just parlay their way into getting a pitch bought for them and like, okay. Uh, lighting and all that and so they have they're looking to host a fairly regional tournament and that'll be but even that can be a one-day tournament so the most rugby i've ever played in one weekend was five games and it was nauseating yeah <laughs> well that's why i asked so recovery how is it how do you feel after doing that how long ago was that and does it take you a long time to get over that um, I played in a tournament in Steamboat last um, year, 
I'm a big proponent of chocolate milk. I know that's a big joke. <laughs> hey, I use it all the time. Chocolate milk's great. <laughs> it's, it's legit, right? It is. Like, absolutely it is. <laughs> calcium, protein. And, and beer. Like, yeah, and beer. Well, because we're all, you know, for the most part, we're getting drunk afterwards. We're, we're <laughs> like, I'm not going to candy coat it. Most all the boys drink, they, and they love their drink, and they yeah. they play as hard as any human being on the planet, and then they go and get, get on the piss, right? Like, they're going to go yeah. drink. And so um, recovery is, is crucial in rugby yeah. because um, – there are plenty of studies that show that a rugby player puts like the same VO2 max as a, a marathoner because they are running so intensely for 80 minutes. Um, with And when club rugby, unlike televised rugby, you'll see tw- about 20 minutes of halftime. Club rugby, it's maybe three minutes and you're back on, right? So um, so we hydrate and we, we carb load prior to. Yeah. All of us as a team, we don't drink the night before. We carb load, and then um, we probably spend more time stretching the after a game and or the next day. Um, when I was young, I would always go on a, a run the next day, Sunday run. Um, it's a little tougher now with aches and pains, but I still go. I will walk or hike every time because um, yeah you're not walking onto the pitch without being a certain level of fitness. And um, so all the guys are mindful at this age, we've all played for so long and played good quality, high level rugby. And we're not playing quality high level as high level. Yeah. We're all pretty smart about what we've done. I kind of have an approach that I always use. Like I always, always, if we go to the pub afterwards, right? Yeah. It, it, the funniest thing to me is the guys are getting their drinks on, but they're drinking beer, but they are always chugging water. Like you walk, you look yeah. around the room and they're always chugging water because it's, and we have a big feed afterwards. Like every team I've ever played for against or with, or in any tournament, there's a massive pasta feed always. Yeah. And so the, the diet is as, big a part of fitness yeah. as anything you can do. And so we all eat, we we're very mindful of how we eat. Um, we're going to drink and that's <laughs> going to happen. But then the next day, every one of those guys like um, will be out. I remember uh, up in Aspen last year, we, well, it was a year before um, we all, it was big big weekend and Kansas city came and played with Springfield up in Aspen. And I played with both sides combined and we played. And that night, like that night we had um, like a buddy who was a chef and he would just, he would cook all our meals and prepare. And then the next day after this game, these guys are just beating the hell out of each other. And the next day they were, um, I saw, I saw guys up on the gondola, like, taking rides, hiking with their families, so active. And you would have thought seeing the game, like these people were going to be crippled. Like, yeah. they, right? but they're, um, so they're taping their fingers. Yeah. Like they're, they're smart about the injuries they currently have because unlike marathon, like your goal is probably in triathlon to be at 
95 to 100 percent yeah every rugby player in the world plays the first game at 100 percent, and everything after that is a sliding scale it yeah. is 90 <laughs> then it's 80 then it's 70 i played an entire season with an ankle taped like the whole thing was wrapped in like a little package it was uh it was you know it was um or a finger that would be twisted or something. Yeah. Um, they're not limping out there with like a broken collarbone or something. Like yeah. injuries are taken seriously and they're off the field. But um, but you're playing, you're minimizing the expectation. And so I think they're smart about it. I really like when I yeah. look at all the scope of athletes, I think the thing that any rugby player would, if any of the Boulder old boys sat here with you or any of the Springfield old boys sat here with you. They would all say the same thing that they, they're, they are in, a, in the game for the long haul. They're playing a game that unfortunately in the U S the mentality is play your four years of football in high school and then maybe play D D three college. And if you don't, okay. So you're one of the lucky ones and you get to go to D one and you're playing at a high level, and then you're you hit the lottery and you play the NFL. The rest of the guys, they're done. Yeah, and they get beer guts and they get yeah. uh, live in the suburbs, and that's the end of it. Yeah, and that and a rugby player, the the big pitching point for these guys is look, this is a game you can play the rest of your life. Yeah, because yes, I can hit a guy hard with a big shoulder, you know, but it's actually the technique I use to bring a person down, not my ability to just buff up and smack him. It's more about the way I grab the legs as yeah. my shoulder hit the, the thighs. Right. So it's my technique that keeps me from it being injured and them from being injured. Yeah. The broken arm. I was talking about the guy I broke his arm. It was, it was a fluke. It wasn't something I did like, I'm a pretty mean player. <laughs> like, yeah, you can, I'm sure if my buddies are listening, it's like, oh my God, he's really mean. You know, <laughs> but like, I don't play dirty. I don't yeah. want anybody to get critically injured. I don't want anybody to get really hurt. Um, and so that technique is what keeps guys playing yeah. for into their 70s. And so, Th that I think is the appeal of it. If I had to recruit, like you asked me yeah. uh, in an email, yeah. like what would you tell people what, if they're going to play later in life? Um, I know plenty of guys that started playing in their forties. One of my favorite players, a guy named John Straw, started playing when he was forty years old, like the day of forty yeah. years old. He started playing. He was one of the hardest hitting SOBs I've ever played against. And he was, but he was wiry. He was not a big guy. He was not like this hulking mass of a dude. He was just really good at his technique and he kept it really clean. And I played alongside that man into his sixties. Yeah. <laughs> he was playing with the young guys as he was, you know, in, in his sixties. And, um, and so, I think anything that gets you back out of the house and gets yeah. you, yes, I love the camaraderie. And I know the individual's uh, fulfillment you get from marathon and triathlon is it's something to 
admire, like wildly admire. But I think yeah. if a person were to, I thought a lot about that when you put that on paper. Yeah. I thought a lot about like, what would I say to somebody if they were going to take it up? And jokingly, the answer is probably like, well, I'd say some different things if we were at the pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing I'd really say is like, why not? Why yeah. Why not get back out and meet a bunch of dudes that are welcoming to you? Like right now, if I get on a plane to Australia, I got three places I could go stay. Like, hey, man, come on over, you know? And, That's incredible. Wales, you know, like, let's yeah. just, I've had plenty of people come here to Denver and, and um, crash on our couches. And we're going to a wedding as soon as the virus is over. We're yeah. going to go in Australia next year because uh, just from rugby guys, I was in a wedding last year in Canada. Um, rugby buddies again so it's it's a global sport and it's um second only to soccer and yeah so i think we're and, and i have never seen people not welcome a new guy no matter what the age that's or, awesome or, yeah same thing that's awesome so how long do you see yourself playing this sport <laughs> until they bury me on the pitch <laughs> So the question is, you going to wear one of those gold jerseys? Because don't they have those for yeah? Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> you got to go to Aspen, man. If you ever get a, you get a chance to go, you have to go see it because like there's an entire team of gold jerseys, right? But it's um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can <laughs> stop. I don't know if I can because I tried to stop for a moment. Yeah, I did. I I started to make excuses. I did. I went on the hero's journey, right? Like as the writer, here's the incredible writing reference, but I went on the path of like, maybe I'm aging out. Yeah. And, um, that is not the path I belong on. That is not the path that I, cause I've always tried to live a life. I remember you asked me about the text, right? Like yeah. what two words would you put? Yeah. And I was talking to my wife about it today and, because it's not just for my kids or it's not just for my sanity. It's for me. It's for me as a, as an individual, because I think the way that I parent and the thing that has helped my kids be um, more successful, like more driven is that they, they too have adopted the philosophy that they're going to live. It's not all about myself. It's okay. Yeah. But my sport is for me, my sport the thing that I compete for is for keeping me um, alive, yeah. and keeping me sane and keeping me driven. And, and I can't see a life without sport. I remember David Duvall got uh, asked, you know, about winning the British Open. And he, he yeah. said, I don't, I didn't see how I couldn't. I didn't see myself not doing it. And I thought, God, what a wonderful attitude to have, to be, to look at life. Like it, it's, it's got, this is the God's honest truth. This is totally true. In golf, every day I stepped on the tee, there was a little voice inside my head that would be like, you sure, man? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I can hit a ball just like you see on TV, right? Like I can hit it a mile. I can hit it accurately. I can putt. I can, but that little voice was always there. In writing, I've never had that little voice. I've always believed, like, no, I, I can do this. I can yeah. push myself to be. And, I, and the harder I push, the more I get out front of it, and the more um, satisfying it is. Today was an, an incredibly 
fulfilling emotional day. And so um, I think, I don't know how I can't do it. My yeah. coach, my first rugby coach, um, we play in, we play a tennis tournament every summer and canceled this year, but every summer um, I'm going to show you the Jersey because yeah. even though nobody's going to see it, I think you'll get a kick out of this because it's got like the, we're the goats now, you know, I, <laughs> I came, my team is um, the Springfield mud puppies that I coached and grew up with, but now it's the Springfield goats and they oh, okay. made it COVID appropriate. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Jersey with the goat with the mask and the, actual molecules so i love it yeah you got to send a picture when i for the for basically your uh um for your episode you're gonna have to send me a picture of that 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 is awesome that is awesome yeah, well, sure. uh, i played but the coach that i that i started playing for um in the 90s came out and uh, got on the pitch and ran with us and he's in his 70s now and he's uh you know that's He's going there too. He's gonna go get his ashes sprinkled on the pitch. I'm sure. Pappy, his name's John Morrow. I love that man to death. And he was, uh, but he is the kind of man I want to be. Right? Yeah. Like when you see somebody like that, and it, and they're just there. There's no option. They're David Duvall and the hell out of it. Right? There. There's yeah. no option to not be the thing they're being. Yeah. That's how. That's how I want to live. So I'm gonna. I'll play as long as I can. Yeah, that that's awesome. So do you have any mantras or quotes that you kind of tell yourself or? <laughs> um, yeah, I, that was the one question I thought about the most <laughs> that you listed. I was like, do I have a mantra? Because the mantra really was always, the thing that was always driving me was the water aerobics thing. Yeah. It was always yeah. the thing that was going to be <laughs> the thing that was keeping me going. But there is a voice inside my head when I'm broken and when I'm down that um, that always says don't quit. It has all. I do not know why it's there. Yeah. Um, my wife and I talked a lot about this at length during the quarantine because we both came from pretty broken homes, and I think you know the joke is that every writer is a like equipped to handle it quarantine <laughs> isolated or you know but as people as humans like we my wife and i both growing up tough growing up in a tough environment does toughen you or it breaks you and um, when you survive it when you get through it and when you thrive then um, you rely on that thing inside yourself and so i don't think it's a mantra so much yeah. as a state of being like a, a, a place that I get to that, um, that I draw a lot of strength from that is, um, that I feel unbreakable in that moment. I, and I think that's what I, I've always felt with, the, you know, trying to teach both in golf and, um, as a parent yes. and as an athlete is to be, um, to not let, anything stop you you know and, and so that's that has been looking back now looking you know I'm at the age where i'm starting to look as far back as i am looking forward yeah i think about um i think about that a lot i think i don't know where it came from so much as i'm so grateful for it yeah i'm grateful 
or this thing inside me that wants to keep going and wants to keep driving and wants to keep pushing. I don't, I tell my wife that I've always felt like, uh, and trust me, I'm not like a yeah. transcendental dude, but I do feel <laughs> like, <laughs> I do feel, cause I think writing, good writing comes from being very meticulous about the process. And, yeah. But I do think that writing kind of exists in the universe and it's your job to, you don't necessarily create it so much as just draw it into yourself. And so I feel like that has been something that I also think about the way I've approached sport, which is to let the uh, dance with the date you brought, right? Like yeah. to be the thing that you are that day in that moment, like the same way you talk about breaking these milestones and accepting who you are right now for who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's how I kind of look at it in general. I don't have a, wish I had a cool mantra about kicking butt and taking names, but I really don't have that. Well, so much the way as I feel about it. Well, here's what's funny, Sam, is as I've been asking uh, people that I can say majority of the people that I've talked to in their seventies and eighties, not one of them have a mantra. They just do it. I mean, so if there's anything, they're stealing Nikes. Just do it. I mean, they just, and I've, when I talk to them, I'm thinking they got some great stuff. It's this younger population. It's us. It's our younger age group that has these things that we need to buy in. We have all these quotes and we have things around us. You ask them, they're like, nah, I just do it. You know? <laughs> My favorite posters, you know, like <laughs> are the demotivators, you know, the yeah. ones that break down. Yeah, not the motivators. Like where the eagles flying and it yeah. says something very like, more of like nine times out of ten you're going to lose, right? Like it's going to be the thing that is a big slap of reality in the face where you're forced to like address the things that are more likely going to happen. Yeah, um, that <laughs> that's funny. Because I don't want it because I know that if I could bottle it up, the what's going on in my head when I'm playing rugby is. Um, worth its weight in gold because it is it's this thing that's like i am going to, i'm gonna all i can remember thinking when i'm playing i don't black out i'm not like yeah. that idiot thing where you're not, i don't know what people <laughs> i see red and i just get mad no i don't I'm not like that i i get there's a tremendous amount of calm and things slow down for me as i'm playing it's just like the the way I'd write a slow motion scene, right? Like yeah. things just get a little more at peace. The K I always told my teammate, like my team, I coach that rugby is just controlled chaos. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's complete madness in a way. And yet it's as the longer you play, the more the field begins to open up in visually and things begin to slow down. And it, it's amazing because you can learn to anticipate and kind of be in this space. And conversely, golf taught me to stay in the now, yeah. stay in the present, focus on your breathing and stay, um, be this one thing you are at this, con at this one moment. And so, yeah, I, I think the curse of getting older, <laughs> um, as an athlete is you have plenty of time to think about the things that you were, <laughs> you were just doing when you were young. Right. Yeah. And the mistake is to try to be those things again, yeah. like try to be the thing you were instead of reforming and retransforming into this new thing you are. And so that's, I think for whatever reason, that's what's kept me vital in writing, like kept me relevant and kept me 
going is I don't feel old. I don't yeah. feel, I remember asking my grandma this question. I said, like, <laughs> I was super close to my grandma. And she said, I said, grandma, when did you really feel old? And she was, you know, 82 at the time. She says, well, I went to the gas station the other day and I couldn't figure out how to work the debit card. <laughs> so I just went home. I just turned around and went home. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, so you mean you just felt old yesterday? Like yeah. the other day, grandma, the first time you felt old? And um, yeah, because if we didn't have mirrors, if we didn't have yeah. a way to reflect and look at upon ourselves and watch the aging happen or feel the tendons and, and bone, you know, joints aching, like we wouldn't really feel old. We would just, so it's just kind of a myth we buy into, right? Like, so... We, we do. I think we buy into that myth. And that's partly what I'm trying to do with this whole podcast is I want to break that myth. I want to show people that, look, you know, age is just a number. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. It's funny. My mother-in-law, she keeps saying to me, she's like, Pete, you need to do all this stuff. You need to look at your birth. She's in her late 80s. She's 86, as active as can be, doesn't sit still. But yet she's telling me that I need to watch myself because she's worried that something's going to happen to me. And I said, Age, I said, no, I'm fine. I said, you know, you don't sit still. I'm not going to sit still. Actually, I want to be what you're doing. I want to be as active as you are. So I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. And I said, it doesn't matter what your birth certificate says. Who cares what your driver's license says? You know? Oh, I, get it. I get it all the time. My mom's yeah. like, what are you doing playing rugby at that age? I'm like, why wouldn't I? I, I this is not... I, 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 my, my defense is always, have you changed me yet? <laughs> so like, I'm still, I'm going to be this. This is what I'm going to be. And that's how I'm going to be forever. So yeah. she's kind of giving up, but she's also not giving up. She'll, yeah. She has to do the mom thing. Like it's just a mom thing. Yeah. But she also like. Yeah. You know, the thing is like, you know, the last thing I want to, cause we're done here is other than I do want to ask you about that hashtag and you know, my miles are for, cause you know, for me, I, I don't know if I put it in the, in the email is that, you know, I had a high school friend die of cancer. So every day to me, I feel pretty lucky and blessed to be able to be 51 and have the, be married and have kids. And I think about him all the time, you know, he didn't have that opportunity. And so I, I definitely feel lucky and blessed to be able to do the things I'm doing. And that's why I'm going to continue. Like, like you said, I'm going to keep doing everything I possibly can. I'm going to enjoy every day of this life, every way I can, because there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees for tomorrow. Um, and I had another friend pass away four, almost, yeah, four years ago from cancer and she was the same age I was. And, you know, so I, I've, definitely it opens your eyes to say, look, let's enjoy ourselves. Let's have fun. So if you think back and what you're doing, why are your miles? Why are you doing the things you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's my world. I think yeah. my two things in my world, because my, because as a writer, um, the thing that's hit me more recently, having the opportunity with the cartel and, um, that I didn't have before. I, yes, the song, you know, the kind, I can send you the link, yeah. um, got out to an audience and the workers in Puerto Rico reached out to me and were super thankful because that's the, the wonderful part of art, right? Like you yeah. can reach out to the universe. But ever since then, I can't get the taste out of my mouth that I made an impact in people's world and my writing, um, even though this, uh, I'm writing action comedy, the subtext of the film is about um, death and suicide. 
And it's a funny, silly script, but I want to see it made because it has something to say to our world about how to deal with um, death and um, our fear of it and, and um, reconciling suicide and those sorts of things, PTSD. Yeah. Um, the Hitman flick I wrote has to do with bullying. And, I, and so I have these things I want to say. And so I'm finally hitting stride in my career and I want to keep living for that. So, yeah. because I want to share with the world those things I want to, like, that's what I'm driven by every day yeah. um, to speak to our world because I think it's, I think I have a voice. I found it and I, I want to share it with the world. Um, my world also is my, my kids and my yeah. wife. And having a four year old is um, obviously you got to be around <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. like, the older kids are like, all right, dad, if you go, it's cool. We're, you know, we've been, yeah. we've heard lectures, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> the four-year-old night uh, she's so here's my shameless plug she got a tweet i put her tweet up with her reading just reading quote unquote like a star wars book and mark hamill liked it right like Luke awesome today so um so she needs me around yeah and my wife lost her um dad to cancer and uh and so my wife and i married later in life and um, I married like the greatest girl ever. And she's just my, my bro. She's my girl yeah. bro. Like she's my best, absolutely best friend and um, puts up with the, living with a writer. And <laughs> so I need her around too. So yeah. it's too light. It's my world is that. My world is my family and what I had to say to this world, to the universe back. So that's that's the answer like i have thought long and hard about that but yeah i love it that that's awesome sam uh, incredible hey i can't thank you enough for spending the time with me this is awesome yeah thanks pete this has been really great i've really enjoyed it and i do hope that when you get out here for the race you'll uh, come stay we'll go have a beer and have a great time absolutely yeah I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to gain some insight into how one weathering athlete approaches each day of training and racing to stay as injury-free as possible. I believe his biggest strengths are his ability to put in the hard work needed to succeed, including learning from his past and having the tenacity to take the necessary steps. He lives in an outdoor paradise outside of Boulder, which allows him to spend time hiking and skiing. He has incorporated Pilates, yoga, and strength training as a way to decrease his risk for injury from sport and from a long day as a writing. As he states, he knew from age 12 that his goal was to be a writer. He provides great insight on how being methodical, utilizing correct technique with writing and athletics, and having a balls-of-the-wall mindset, anything is possible. I have a feeling if all goes as planned, he will be found on the pitch into his golden years and that any gold jersey, which represents protection, will probably not make it off the bench or out of his bag. If you would like to learn more about the things that Sam is involved in, I recommend you visit the show notes. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. If you find today's or any other episodes inspiring, I ask you to consider joining our patron program. Details can be found at www.weatheredathlete.com. Also, please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast, share with your friends, give me a rating on Apple, leave me a comment or drop me a line if you feel you have what it takes to enter the Weathered Athlete Podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, I encourage you to use the following hashtag, my miles are for, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. 
As always, my miles are for the journey. Pete Perusik.